Good morning. How's everybody doing? Happy New Year. We did it. Congratulations, guys. You made it through another one. Well, welcome to CBCB. My name is Mike. I'm a pastor here. I get the honor and privilege of talking to you today. Got a little bit of the crud going on, so it got me a handheld, so I apologize if there's some cough breaks uh, during this. Uh, thanks, allergies, or whatever else is going on out there. You guys have a good New Year's? Well, I didn't. Just kidding. <laughs> Had a really great night last night. I was like, I'm getting up to preach today. Like, I was really excited about this message. I've really been praying about this message for a long time. I, I heard a, a guy named Ross Lester kind of present the idea that we're going to talk about today a couple years ago, and I've been wanting to preach it somehow, and I just didn't know how it fit, and like it kind of came that I was going to preach this week. Uh, Larry had to go out of town. They were going to get back late last night, so I got to preach. I went to bed early last night at like 10 o'clock, which is great for me. I got three kids. Like, we did it. We got in bed, and then I don't know if you guys know this, but fireworks are back. Um, and so at about midnight, we got the old fireworks situation happening. We live in a really... A, a, Lots of house residential area, which is fine. It's whatever. So, of course, the kids wake up. No big deal. My wife's like, I got it. Go to sleep. You need to get your rest, whatever it is. Okay, awesome. Thank you, wife. You're the best. So I'm trying to go back to sleep. Uh, I got my noise-canceling AirPods in, listening to some peaceful music, just ready to get a full night's sleep. And my 13-year-old dog, Sue, who can't hear anything except, evidently, fireworks, decided last night he was scared of fireworks. So he jumped on our bed, which I don't know how, he can't jump, but he got on the bed, laid on top of me, and is just shaking, just just shaking. He weighs about 50 pounds, just shaking. And I told my wife, I said, you, you, I, I need your help. You got to get this dog. I can't, I can't do this. And she's like, it's fine. Send him out here. So the dog runs out of the room, goes into our kids' room, our daughter's room, where they had, they had fallen back asleep, right? And I guess... The last time Sue went out to go to the bathroom was three or four days ago or something because he just unloaded, I want to say a gallon on the floor, and it was just all over everything, and it was just a mess, and now it's 1 or 1.30, and now I've got to get up early. My son's running a live stream for us today. I had to go pick him up at a friend's house this morning at about 7 in San Antonio, and there's a, the weirdest fog I've ever seen. I couldn't see five feet in front of me. It was the craziest thing ever. Got the crud going on, and I got to church, and I'm like, man, do I want to preach? And I got to tell you, every time something horrible happens like that the day before I preach, there's a good word coming. So the bad news for me is I had a rough night. The good news for you is I think God's going to do something for you today, and I hope that's the case. So today what we're going to do, I figured since you're here at church, especially this early service on New Year's Day, following a holiday typically that starts at midnight, these are the good Christians today, right? Or someone that really needs a good word. So hopefully today this is for you. We're going to get a little nerdy uh, in our talk today. We're going to dive into a passage that you've heard one million times before. But we're going to take a little different approach in looking at it. Not really a, a talk for New Year's resolutions. Uh, though if you've got those, uh, we will circle back towards the end of how you can kind of uh, implement one of those into an application for what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk. Uh, let's do this. Before we do that, let's pray. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today, Lord. I just pray for, for this congregation, Lord, today that you'll just speak to us through your words, not through me and my cruddy voice, but, Lord, through your words um, and your text, Lord. Let us take something from today we can apply in our life and just learn to grow, draw closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
All right, Genesis 3 is where we're going. If you've got your Bible, open up. If you're new to the Bible, this is super easy. This is the first book of the Bible. So if your New Year's resolution is to read the Bible, we're starting at the beginning today, okay? So Genesis 3 is where we're starting off. A little context of what's going on. Genesis 1, we get the quick creation recap, right? So basically in the first chapter of Genesis, you get day 1, this happened. Day 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Beginning of chapter 2, we get... God created everything. He did it. That was the story of creation. And then we kind of go back and we talk about when he created man and how he created man and he decided to create woman, right? So we've got Adam and Eve. We go into chapter 3. We see the title of that is the man and woman sin. And this is what we're going to talk about today, okay? So I'm going to read you some text here and then we're going to back up and we're going to break it down a little bit. You with me? All right. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied in classic male form, it was the woman. You gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Raise your hand if you've heard that before. You heard that story, right? Okay. So what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of break this down. We're going to talk about Eve. We're not going to talk about Adam because (laughs) there's never any sermons on why did Adam eat the fruit, right? Because every married man understands. He's got his naked wife saying, eat this. And he said, okay. That's all. There's no explanation needed. We don't need to deep dive into anything. She said, eat it. He said, right on. You got it, Eve. But we are going to dive into what happened to Eve today, okay? So what is really important when you read the Bible, if this is your year to read the Bible, I really want to encourage you to get some context of what's going on, right? To know what's happening before and after is super, super important. Because if you just open up your Bible and all you hear is this story, we hear this story of temptation, and we can't take a ton from what we have there as to why this is like maybe a really deeply rooted, really sneaky maneuver by Satan. Unless we back up a little into chapter 2 when we start getting God talking about really personal things with his people, we see that God is referenced as the Lord God, okay? Who cares? Stay with me. I'll tell you why you should care about this in a second, right? So we've got the Lord God in chapter 2. In chapter 3, he starts off as the Lord God, and he ends as the Lord God. But for five verses, we've got Satan who comes in, and he just becomes God to Eve. And Eve just calls him God. 
Who cares, right? If you read that, you would not think anything of it. But if you dive, right, if you get really nerdy with this and go real Hebrew with this, what you see is we've got two words describing God as the Lord God, which to us in our dialect, interchangeable, right? Like rarely are you just saying Lord or just saying God. You probably never say the Lord God, right? But in Hebrew, what this breaks down to is two very important words that we are going to sit on today. And it's this, Yahweh Elohim, right? Yahweh Elohim. Why this is so important is because when we talk about God, it's important to understand that he encapsulates both of these titles to the fullest extent. And he must be both of these things to you and to Eve. And in chapter 2, he is the Lord God. He is Yahweh Elohim. And at the end of three, he's back to Yahweh Elohim. But when Satan comes in, we get rid of Yahweh. So why is this important? When we start to break down the meanings of these words, what we see is this Yahweh is this personal God, right? This God that's with his people. This covenant-keeping God that's there. The relational God. That's right there. That's Yahweh. And then we have Elohim, which is this great creator. Right? If you want to get really nerdy, go to the Bible Project. Watch their series on spiritual beings. They talk about the Elohim. It's a tricky word. It can be singular. It can be plural. But in the case of this, this is the Elohim of Elohim, these spiritual beings, these angels, demons, that sort of thing. We've got the Elohim of Elohim, which is God, who is creator over all of those things. And he can't just be one of those things, he must be both of those things in order for you to fully understand who God is. This great big God who created everything, but also this compassionate and personal God who walks amongst his people in the garden. So what Satan does here is what we will call literally the oldest trick in the book. Because what he does is he doesn't come to Eve and say, your God is not real. He doesn't say that. When he comes to tempt you, rarely does he say, you should not do this thing. He doesn't ever tell you, you should not read your Bible ever. Right? What does he do? He creates a little half-truth. You should read your Bible. But today? Come on. Probably not today, right? You should go to the gym for sure. You need it. But it's cold outside, right? And he gets these little half-truths doing, and that's exactly what he does to Eve here. He turns Yahweh Elohim into just Elohim. And he creates this separation for Eve. To where, yes, it's the God, the creator, but he removes this personal element out of this. And he creates the first doubt recorded ever. And he says, did he really not want you to eat that? And so then Eve, if Eve is grounded in Yahweh Elohim, right? If she is deeply reverent for this God of creation that is right there with her, she says, it's what he said, it doesn't matter. But this little sliver of doubt has been created by Satan. And this little separation has occurred to where this is just Elohim. This is not Yahweh Elohim. Does that make sense? This is kind of nerdy. You're going to be so smart after this. 
So he doesn't suggest that God's not real to Eve, right? He doesn't say that. The serpent, Satan, hear me say this, and this is not insulting. He's so much smarter than you. You can't rely on yourself to overcome him. He's so much better because he doesn't come to you and say, you shouldn't go to church. He doesn't say, you should abandon your marriage. He doesn't say, you should be a horrible father. He doesn't say, you should develop awful habits. He just creeps in where there's not like a severe amount of reverence. He finds the crack and he attacks that. And that's what happens to us. He removes reverence. And when reverence is removed, it's very difficult for us to make appropriate decisions as Christians. Now, to those who are of the world and not Christians, this is not for you. Right? I want you to be a part of this, but it's difficult for you if you don't believe in God to get anything from what I'm saying today. But if you are a Christian, if you do believe in God, the challenge for you today is to think about the amount of reverence you have for Yahweh Elohim. And if he's both of those things or if he's just Elohim, if he's just the big guy in the sky that creates. And if he's just that, then the chances are what's going on in your life is when things are good, we're good with God. And when things are bad, we're mad at God. That makes sense? This is turning into a convicting message. I apologize. Here's the deal. Here's what I think is happening. I'm going to put this in the, this is, I guess, if you want to say our notes for today are this, right? In the case of blank, when reverence, and for the sake of this conversation, we'll call this like a deep respect or commitment. When reverence is withheld, our own immediate desires will take control. Okay, so stay with me. This is blank here because for, obviously for today we're talking about faith, right? Or our trust in God. In the case of faith, when reverence, our respect for Yahweh Elohim is withheld, our own immediate desires will take control. As illustrated in Genesis 3 by Eve, right? She loses a little reverence for who God really is. And in doing so, she allows her own personal desires in that moment to take control. And she's convinced. Yeah. I'll eat this thing. He, he, maybe he is going to be jealous if I eat this. Maybe he is trying to hold back something from me. May, I probably know best in this moment. Right? Sure, he created everything. But she forgets the personal God that was looking out for her when he told her not to eat that fruit. In the case of faith, when reverence here is withheld, her own desires took control. Now watch this. You can put anything in that blank, right? In the case of your marriage, when reverence is withheld, our own immediate desires will take control, right? Rarely do you see bad decisions in marriages happening as a result of one of the parties taking a real hard look and remembrance of the reverence they have for this commitment that they've made to another person. But rather, sure, I'm married to them, but like, it's been a grind lately. It's been tough. We have kids. 
this isn't horrible what I'm doing or what I'm looking at. It's not that big of a deal or how disrespectful I am to her. It's, it's warranted because of how she is right now. And in myself, in this moment, I think it's fine for me to act this way. And what happens is this reverence is just lost. If there's not a strong sense of reverence for something, your own personal desires will take over. This is very, very counterintuitive to the way our society believes now, right? Right now, it's just like, whatever you feel, man, that's it. How you feel, that's what is. That's your truth is how you feel right now. This is very, very difficult for us to get our mind around. I'm not saying that how you feel isn't important. I'm saying that when we make decisions based off our own immediate desires as Christians, when there is a lack of reverence for the thing that we're referencing, ultimately some decisions are made that maybe don't come from here. Right? Does that make sense? So this can be anything, right? So your New Year's resolution, you're going to the gym. You're doing it this year, guys. This is the year you're going to go to the gym or you're going to start running. Something is going to happen. Like some, there's going to be a health change. The reverence you need for that health change can't just be so you're not fat. Right? Because that's going to wear off. Like that's just going to go away. You can roll with that. You'll, you're fine. It's going to be so easy when it's cold. That first morning it's cold. You know it's coming, right? You're going to the gym. You're going to be doing great this month. It's going to be going awesome, and it's going to get cold, and you're going to get out of bed, and you're going to be like, the floor is so cold. Why is the floor so cold? Why is it so cold? Why is my bed so comfortable? I've never noticed it until this moment how comfortable my bed is. And if you think to yourself, well, why should I go to the gym? And if it's just so you're not fat, you're going right back to sleep. Because you're going to be like, whatever. I'm not getting skinny today, right? That's 100%. Like, you know what I'm talking about. But if your reverence for why you should go to the gym is like, look, I'm, I'm looking to make really big life changes with my health this year. And I've done my research. And there's no arguing that me going to the gym will probably, if nothing gets me, prolong my life. I'll be more active with my family. I'll be more attentive in the day. I'll get better sleep. Really, all elements of my life will be improved if I can improve my health. If that's your reverence, then getting out of the bed is going to be easier than just, I don't want to be fat. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So this is what happens, right? This is what happens with Christians in faith is that we have no reverence for this God, right? This is the tricky thing about just telling people about Jesus and that's it, right? Who cares about the Old Testament? Just let's just Jesus and that's it. Jesus is important, but without a reverence of Yahweh Elohim, you cannot appreciate what has gone on for you, right? If you don't know who God is, why is it that big of a deal that he sent his son for you? Right? There must be a sense of reverence there. There must be a foundation of reverence with all things that you do or else your own personal desires take over and we can't have that happening. Why? Because think what a mess you are. Think about your own personal desires. Think about honestly, let's think about your moods over the last two weeks. Right? How many of you would say, just like this, no problem, Nothing gets me down, nothing gets me up or down, I'm even killed, never falters. 
None of us, right? We're right here. Then we're right here. Then we're right here. Then we're right here. Do you really want your own personal desires to be your compass for the decisions you should be making when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your weight loss? We don't, right? There's got to be a more firm foundation that things are based on. So what do we do? Right? Great. Awesome, Mike. Thanks. You've ruined the day so far. This is the worst New Year's service. I should have stayed in bed. I knew it. You can say it. You can say it. Hang with me here. Don't leave yet. All right, so what do we do? How do we not lose reverence? Why is Satan so good at this stuff? In the case of Yahweh Elohim, I want you to first do this, right? I'll give you a couple steps here in a second. But first, I want you to really think about, like give a real hard look at like who God is to you. And if we said like you have to choose your reverence for God, would you describe it as someone who is deeply rooted in this foundation of this personal God who's with you always, who never falters, who never fails? Every circumstance he is there, ups, downs, all arounds. He's right there, right? You've got that Yahweh. Firm reverence for that. And this Elohim, this respect for this God who created everything, who does know what's best. You know, sometimes we can lose the Elohim. If you look at the story of Job, a perfect example. He's communicating with God. And God has to thump him on the forehead and say, hey, remember, I made lightning. I got this. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. So think to yourself, where are you now? If you have to be one, are you the person firmly rooted in this Yahweh Elohim, or are you Eve? Are you Eve? Because I think, for me, this message has been very convicting. Because I think I'm Eve more than I'm not Eve. I never lose faith that there's God. I don't. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that there is a God. None. I never do. I literally never have. I've wrestled with faith, but never to the point where I was like, I just don't think he's there. Maybe some of you have even gone to say, like, I don't think God's there. I understand. I get it. But sometimes I just live in that zone of like, yeah, God's real, but I'm going to take care of all this other stuff over here. Right now, I just don't want to do this. The reverence isn't quite there. So if you're Eve or you're the person firmly rooted in Yahweh Elohim, which one do you want to be? Right? And if you say, I want, I want more reverence, this is difficult for me, Mike. This is, a weird, this is a weird message from you. What can I do? I'm going to give you a couple of things you can do, okay? What you need to do always in doubt is don't listen to a guy with a microphone, listen to the Bible, okay? Right? So I'm just going to say something. You go back and reference this. In James, we see some very clear instructions. And it tells us this. James 4. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I'm feeling far from God, Mike. We do sometimes when he's just Elohim is, God, I'm sitting right here. If you're real, prove it. I'm not doing anything. You show me. Right? 
what James is telling us is we've got this God, right? This creator. And we've got us. And if we want to get closer, we don't just sit and wait for him to come down to us. We draw near. And then he draws near to us. And then that reverence is formed. Does that make sense? It's not you just sitting there waiting for God. You draw near to God. How can I draw near to God? You know lots of ways to draw near to God. We just let sports and life and jobs and busyness get in the way of why we don't draw near to God. You've got a Bible. Open that thing up. I don't know how to read the Bible. This is what you do. Go to thebibleproject.com. They have reading plans starting today. About 15 different reading plans that all start off with a devotional and a video to help you understand. One of the reading plans is a 19-day plan on how to read the Bible, right? And there's videos and scripture you can read, and you start to read that, right? You dive into this. We know if we believe in this, it never comes back bad. It's never a waste of time. We just get confused sometimes. It's fine. But dive into this thing. Pray. Remember prayer, right? Pray. Spend time with God. Keep coming to church. You're at church on New Year's Day. You're doing good. You're trying. Continue to draw near to God. But when does that stop? Never. Why does it never stop? Because it's really difficult to draw near to God. Why is it so difficult to draw near to God? Because of Eve, right? Because we were great. Mankind was great. We were set literally walking through the garden with God. God with them all of the time. Right there all of the time. And then sin came in and separation happened. And it's been a battle and will continue to be a battle to get close to God forever. Until he comes back. Until you're there with him. It's going to be difficult to draw near to God. So you've got to constantly be on guard and constantly be pursuing and constantly be aware that Satan will use your lack of reverence for Yahweh Elohim to get in the way of your walk with him, of your trust in him, of your belief in him, of your willingness to push through and trust that he's in the middle of things where you can't see him. You must constantly be drawing near to God. And I'm going to give you a little, if you're not good at this, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. If you're like, this seems like a struggle, I'm going to give you kind of a 1A bit of notes here, okay? This can go with your New Year's resolution. I want you to think of a resolution for this year. Pick just one. Pick a difficult one. It could be simple if you want. <clears throat> Here's my challenge for you to help you draw near. I want you to see it through. Well, that's not that fun. I usually just bail on those in February, right? I want you to think of one thing. If you don't have one, pick one thing. Pick a resolution. Literally anything that you want to do better at. I want to go on three dates this month with my wife. Okay, great. See it through, right? But I want you to see it through, and I want your why to be, your reverence to be, not so that... You can go on more dates with your wife, right? Not so you can go to the gym 10 times so you can get skinnier. That's not your why. Your why is because it's going to help you draw near to God. Because 
I have a little hypothesis. I think there's a real direct correlation in our willingness to see things through in our life and our willingness to stay committed to Yahweh Elohim, right? If you're the person that bails on everything, that starts and stops everything, and quits everything when it gets hard, there's a really good chance you're really going to struggle with drawing near to God. Because like we said, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult to do. You have an entire world against you. You have an entire calendar that can work against you that Satan can use against you. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Right? So see something through. Do something difficult and see it through. And then when you do, we get a little confidence that we can do difficult things. And the more confidence we get in doing difficult things, the more we understand we're capable of doing this, right? We've got this little, like, bookmark in our head of, like, oh, yeah, I remember in January I was going to do that thing, and I did it. And I'm struggling drawing near to God, but I know I can do it because I did that thing. And maybe you pick a thing after the thing, and you just get better and better at seeing things through. There's a real issue in our society with the lack of commitment to anything. People quit everything all of the time. All of the time. Go to your local fast food restaurant and ask them how it's going there. Everybody quits for whatever reason. There's a real lack of reverence for doing anything right now. It's just how do I feel in this moment, and if it's not how I want it to feel, it's gone. This is okay, whatever for the world. That works for them, great. But as a Christian, there has to be an ability to push through difficult things so that you can draw near to God. I'm not trying to make it seem like drawing near to God is like this, like, oh, my gosh, this horrible thing. But I'm telling you, it's tough because what do you think is going to happen? If God is just Elohim to you today and you decide today he is Yahweh Elohim, he is Lord of my life, he is the God with me who created everything, do you think Satan's going to be like, oh, man, they got it figured out. Better leave them alone. No, not at all, right? No chance. No chance whatsoever. You are on the radar now, and it's fixing to get really difficult. So I'm telling you, you must constantly be drawing near to God. And a way to help you is to see something through. Pick something out. And the more you do that, the stronger you'll get. When you start to draw near to God and you see some things through with that, it gets easier and easier for that reverence to become like this stronghold that you have in your foundation rather than your personal desires of like, I don't know if this is working or not. It becomes what you go to and it's a no-brainer. It's a piece of cake. But you got to work to get there. Anybody have kids? Raise your hand if you have kids. Great. I have three kids, two little girls. How old are my kids? One's 15. <laughs> Whoops. One's eight. And one's three. My eight-year-old, before she was born, took a long time to get pregnant with her. We got pregnant. We had a miscarriage. Not that good. Took a couple years to get pregnant. We had a miscarriage. Then it took a couple more years to get pregnant again. And we decided, let's not find out if it's a boy or a girl. But you know what I did every night? I prayed for a girl. Every night I wanted a girl so bad. I had a little boy. He's great. Love you, son. But I wanted a little girl. I prayed for that little girl. And then we had, a, had her. And I got to hold that little girl. 
right? I got my girl. And when she was about two, she decided doesn't like me that much. Really likes mom. And I got to tell you, it's really hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> I prayed really hard for this girl. I think mom was good with both, but I just wanted the girl, right? I worked harder. Mom just delivered you, you know, that stuff. She just carried you to term and delivered you. <laughs> so she didn't like me. I tried to take her on dates, put her to bed, hang out with her. Just wanted mom. Always just wanted mom. I remember one night I put her to bed. She basically just screamed for me to leave her room. She wants mom. I went downstairs and I told my wife, I give up. I'm done. I, she, I, I don't know. She wants nothing to do with me. I can't, like, what am I doing? Why am I working so hard at this? Right? You know what my wife told me? Be patient. She'll come around. So you know what I did? I was patient. You know what she did? She came around. I got a daddy's girl now. You see this gaudy bracelet on my wrist? She made that for me. You know what I have? This bracelet. You know what you don't have? This bracelet. And you're not getting one. That's just for me. And I earned that bracelet. And I worked really, really hard for this bracelet. And I got a daddy's girl now. And you know what? We got other stuff going on with her right now. Tough stuff. But you know where I'm going? Nowhere. Because I saw that through. And I'm going to see this through. The more you draw near to God, the more he will draw near to you. Take a close look at your life and see if you're dealing with Yahweh Elohim or just Yahweh or just Elohim. And cancel whatever plans get in the way of making him Yahweh Elohim to you. Because when you do and you establish that reverence for this God, he's not just a big guy in the sky. He's a God that loves you so much and made you so perfect and has got everything under control whether you understand it or not. And you start to get this reverence and then you open this book up and you get to the New Testament. And you're like, that God like hated how far apart we were. So he sent his son for me, and the appreciation, the reverence will grow. Don't let the serpent win in your life. You have control over how much you draw near to God. I challenge you today. It's not just a big guy in the sky, right? Make him Lord of your life. Make him the Lord God. Make him Yahweh Elohim. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you so much for, for the opportunity to speak. Lord, I thank you so much for the, 
the forgiveness you give us when we just make you Elohim. Lord, I pray today for every person in this room that might struggle with this, that has a lack of reverence where there needs to be more reverence, Lord, where we've lost respect, we've lost the commitment that we know should be there. Lord, I pray that you'll give them the strength to draw near to you and trust that your word is true and that if we just draw near, you'll draw near to us, Lord. I pray for every person in this room to see something through this month or this year, to not bail when things get hard, to push through, to see things through, to gain reverence for the important things in their life, whatever it is, let them go back and Remember why they got married. Remember why they had kids. Remember why they set those health goals and to establish a firm why, Lord, a, a firm foundation of reverence. And Lord, most of all, let us gain our reverence for you. Let us get it back if we lost it. Let us get it for the first time if we never had it. Let us see things through to make you the Lord God of our life. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story we've heard one million times. And thank you for a unique way to look at it today. And I pray that it will speak to someone here in this room today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for coming out today. Hey, listen, we've got a survey going around that all of you should have received in regards to what we're doing with uh, potentially building a new uh, building, getting property, all of those things. If you call this your church and you have not received that survey, I'm going to ask you to, if you go to the Connection Center and just fill out a connection card and just write, I didn't get the survey, and give us your email address. We'll shoot you a copy of that survey this week. We really want to hear from you guys on what we should do as far as our next steps are concerned. So that's all I have. You guys are amazing. Have a wonderful, wonderful New Year.